Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. If you do not know who I am, I'm Gabe Phillips and I get to be a pastor here at Life Changes, married to the amazing Fiona who just spoke and with our little girl Olivia Grace and one in the tummy, not my tummy, my wife's just uh, just to make that clear. Um, but uh, just to bring some uh, context about what we're doing here, and uh, I'll start with my little girl, Olivia Grace, because she's decided to be front and center this morning. Um, but uh, I remember the, the day was uh, late June when we found out that we were first pregnant with Olivia, and uh, my world changed. Just everything was like, I can't believe that I'm going to be a dad. Just that, that realization hit me as, uh, as we got the news that we were pregnant. And then for the next nine months, as, 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 the, as Fiona's tummy grew, um, and as we went for the scans, and I got to see the, this, the, and follow on the as our little little baby, little, little grapefruit became something bigger and bigger uh, in the womb, just uh, the reality was getting more and more real for me as, as I was looked at this, this tummy saying, I'm a dad of this little person that's inside there. And we found out she was a girl and that we're going to call Olivia Grace and it became more and more real. But nothing could have prepared me. No, no antenatal class, no, no app, no video on YouTube. Nothing could have prepared me for the day when we arrived at uh, the Bloberg Netcare and, uh, and we had to go in for a C-section because the little girl were told that she also was breached and she had the, the quarters wrapped on her neck. So we had to go dramatically in for a C-section. And this moment came when uh, Olivia Grace, the, the idea of Olivia Grace for nine months suddenly became reality as this little gray with a splash of red on top thing came out, bursting forth from her lungs, crying, and and, and I suddenly, and just all of a sudden on cue without any help, tears so just flow down my face. Just just ugly cry. It was game over. I was just I was a wreck. As I saw this little girl that was my girl. The, the knowledge for nine months only became reality. And I remember the privilege of uh, when, because they had to sew uh, Fiona up, and uh, I got to take the little girl up with the, with the pediatrician up to the, the ward, and they had to do the checks and, and weigh her and make sure everything was fine. And I went up the whole way, just tears flowing. Couldn't stop them, just flowing. Just, I'm blind at the best of times. But this was, I was just like following blindly. Where we go? Follow that little cry. And then came the moment where they took Olivia Grace and they put her in the, the, the little incubator there just to make sure everything's good. And, and I remember kneeling next to this little crying little thing and, and, and she had assumed the fetal position. She was crying. And I said, I just with, uh, with tears flowing, I said, Livy, it's, it's, it's your dad. It's your dad. And I kid you not, the little girl turned her little face and she stopped crying. She looked straight at me and it's like, oh, I'm a dad of this little thing. Just hit me. And then the next moment came as they, they took her out. They wanted skin on skin. So I, 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 Fiona wasn't ready yet. So they said, Dad, take your shirt off. And obviously everyone had to look away because the muscles and the six-pack. <laughs> obviously, I just said, guys, leave the room, please. But um, they put this little baby on my chest. And I held this little thing just on my, uh, on my chest. And I was like, the reality then of I'm a dad. Nine months I had to prepare. But nothing could have prepared me for that moment where the knowing became an experience. I, I tell you that this morning. Because I think too many Christians have the theory of what it means to follow Jesus. They have the knowledge. They have the sort of, especially in the South African context, we have the knowledge of what it would look like for somebody to be a Christian. But I think so often we fall short of the experience, the knowing of what it is to walk with Jesus because we haven't fully understood this person of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit, is, as commentators, theologians, they call him the executor of the, the, the executor. No, not the executor. The executor of the Trinity. 
the one who makes the will of the Father, the will of the Son known to you and I, the one who helps us know Jesus and make him known. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes the, the, the theory and the knowledge of Jesus real to you and I. And that's why we are doing this series. And uh, as I was preparing this week, I had the thought uh, for a long time, I, I'm useless with technology. And some, so often Fiona's doing things on her phone that I'm like, how, how are you doing that? We've, we've got similar phones for you. How are you doing that? We both have the same heart in our hands, but what's going on? Why? How do you do that? And she says, Gabe, let me show you. She goes to settings. She flicks up and in where it says a place saying, update your phone. There's a nice little round one there. It's been there for a long time. Why? Because every time it tells me that's time for, an, for to update my software, I always say, remind me later. I don't read it. I just go, remind me later. Too busy to do that. And, and I realized that actually I had the same hardware, but I'm, I'm being restricted in the, the capacity of what that phone can do because I haven't allowed the software to be updated. I, I want to tell you today, I believe today is an updating of the software moment. I believe today is a moment where actually, though you're sitting here and you may have all similar hardware, similar grids, I want to tell you the Spirit of God is wanting to fill us afresh so we can experience Jesus in reality. Not just knowing, not just seeing, but experiencing Him and making Him known. So today, can we be a people who are not going to swipe and say, remind me later? Are you guys all right with that? Cool. So why don't we stand to our feet? We want to read Scripture. It will be on the screen behind me. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. And we stand when we read scriptures to posture our hearts saying, Holy Spirit, would you make this scripture come alive in my heart? Not just someone else's, but mine today. So this is what it says. It says this, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving his chosen apostles further instructions to the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, my simple prayer this morning for all of us here, as we have started to sing and starting to realize that this is not just a mere moment of of church to get through, but this is a moment where you are wanting to change us indelibly forever. I thank you, God. Would you remind us of who we are and would remind us of whose we are here today? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat this morning? Just some context for you. Jesus has risen from the dead dramatically just a few moments prior before this. The disciples are in despair because Jesus has died. They don't know where to go. They are in chaos. They are freaking out. They're not too sure what is lying in store for them. But all of a sudden, Jesus dramatically comes back from the dead. And for them now, it's game on. They're like, we, we thought we were on the winning side. And for a moment, we, we thought we had been left to our own devices. But now it's the game is back on. Jesus is here. And actually, they're so excited because they're going, actually, now we are on the right side of the story. Jesus, they come and ask Jesus a question. As we read, verse 6, they ask Jesus. Jesus, basically, in my language, they say, what's the next step, Jesus? 
They ask him, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are we going to now deal with you? You've just risen from the dead. The champ is here. It's like, come on, here we go. They're going to, we're going to fall in line. Jesus, we're going to march all the way to the headquarters. We're going to take back the kingdom by force from this, these, these Romans who have come and oppressed us. Jesus, we're with you. Lead us on. They're like, what's the next step, Jesus? And I love how Jesus, he answers them. He, he, they say, he goes, actually, no, guys, it's not yet time. It's not for you to know, actually, the times and dates. But he says, there are some things that you do need to know. So I don't want you thinking about times and working out what's, what's, what's the next step for what's going to happen in the, in the heavens and the earth in this moment. I want you to know what I'm going to do in your lives right now. And then Jesus rolls out in those verses, Acts 1 verse 8. He literally rolls out what it is to be a Christ follower, a Christian. If you want to know what it is to be a Christian, you read Acts 1 verse 8. Jesus tells us what it is with basically a Christian without Jesus being physically around. He says, this is what's going to happen. He says, I'm on my way out, but I'm going to leave someone. I'm going to give somebody to you who's going to empower you and do something different. And we read that scripture. And actually, Jesus, in, the next, in those verses that we read now, he leaves the most incredible assignment to the least qualified people imaginable. It's this amazing, amazing moment where Jesus is giving the brave heart of all brave heart speeches to the people who are the most unlikely, unqualified, ill-disciplined people to receive it. In the natural, you're going, Jesus, don't waste your breath. But Jesus sees something different in these guys, and he sees a future that's much bigger, and he lays before them something that's incredible. And I want to tell you today that actually the thesis I'm trying to put in our hearts this morning is this, the fact that what Jesus is saying there to these disciples who are an insecure, inadequate, insufficient bunch of people, he's telling them something remarkable from the get-go. He says to them basically, this life I'm calling to you of power, of purpose, of my presence, he says, it's something that you are saved into from the beginning. It's not something that you graduate into one day when. I want to tell you today, many of us, I want to shift our mindsets because actually I think a lot of us approach this thing of the Holy Spirit as that's something for the elite. But I want to tell you it's for you and I here today. So number one, I want to give us three things of what the Holy Spirit does, if that's all right. Number one, it'll be on the screen behind me. It'll be simple this morning, but I believe God will do something in our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us, wait for him because he's going to bring power. The Holy Spirit brings power. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I love this because when I read it, I was going, it's not when I get really, it doesn't say when you get really spiritual, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He doesn't say, boys, when you get to a certain level of maturity. He doesn't say, not when somebody specific comes and prays for you, then you'll receive the anointing. No, he doesn't say that either. He doesn't even say when revival comes, when Angus Buchan arrives. When when the man of God arrived, no, 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 he doesn't say anything like that. He says this, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is incredible start. I want to tell you that when he talks around the Holy Spirit there, the, the Greek word there is a word called dunamis. Dunamis, just like it sounds exciting. And it is, sounds exactly what it means. Dunamis means dynamite power. When the dynamic power of heaven comes upon you, you will receive the dynamic power of heaven. This is the incredible thing for me that actually, and, as, and scholars, if you, all the scholastic people of us here, I know all of us are like, yes, we get it, Gabe, already. But I, I had to study it a little bit. But, uh, but the, the Jewish audience would read Acts 1, Luke who's writing it, Luke the doctor who wrote the, the, the epistle, Luke, he's writing the book of Acts, continuing the story. He's a doctor. He's a man who's not making uh, mistakes in this. The, what he's trying to do in Acts chapter 1 is anyone with a keen eye will notice that actually he is mirroring, mirroring Genesis chapter 1. The creative language is being used again in a second time in Acts chapter 1. This is massive. 
because Acts chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 1 are plays off of each other. What, what happened in Genesis 1, we, we're told that the, the creation was empty, void, and, and, had, and it was covered in darkness. But said the Holy Spirit was hovering over it. And with one word from, from the Father, when the Father spoke the word Jesus Christ into that space, that, that which was empty, void, and dark exploded into life with dynamic power. You want to ask me, what, do I believe in the Big Bang? I think there was a huge bang when creation exploded into life. I want to tell you, there's a similar sort of language being used here in Acts chapter 1, that actually Jesus is telling us that actually he's going to give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who presided over creation, is going to come and preside over the, the early church on our lives, and it's going to come with a creative and resurrective power. Now this is massive for you and I, because actually the, the, the language... Of the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. It talks about the Holy Spirit being the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus poured into our beings. And the word life in the Greek, there's three options. And we see it used different in moments in scripture. That the Greek word for life it can be bios. We get our word biology. It's meaning the physical life that we find. But that's not the word that's used here around describing the Holy Spirit. The other Greek word for life could be suke, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. We would get our word psychology or the emotional state of being. But that's not the word that's being used here. There's a third word for life in the Greek language, and it's where we get the word, some, you'll hear the, some girls are named, it's the Zoe, life of God. And what Zoe means, it's the divine, incorruptible, indestructible, eternal life of God. Now, let me, let me bring this to reality here. I'll help us a little bit, because I'm a little bit dwarf, so I need some stories to help me make sense of this, this what's going on here. Is that years ago, there was a man named Gary Phillips, who was in Glenridge. No relation. But, uh, uh, but this man, Gary Phillips, his wife, for many years had tried to fall pregnant, and they, at every level, they were just told by doctors, it's not happening. For them, the life, the bios life was failing. The biology that says that when a male and a female to come together will produce life was failing them. There was nothing happening in the womb. But then there came a moment of faith where a man named Ryan Matthews, who understood this, uh, uh, understands this principle about the creative, resurrective power of the Holy Spirit. He had named his daughter Zoe, just because he understands this principle. And this, in a moment of courage, they were praying for people, and he saw Gary and, and his wife, who for years had just come up for prayer, but nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. The bios had failed them. Their sukkah, their emotional state was getting into an un- unrepaired un- state, because they're like, actually, we've trusted, but we've seen nothing. But when the bios fails, when the, when the biology, when the psychology fails, here's great news. As Ryan Matthews in faith, he came up to him and said, actually, John, you know I believe God wants to do something that biology has failed to do inside your womb. The creative resurrective power. So Ryan Matthews in faith took his little girl who was no more than a year old in his arms, who was named Zoe. And he said, open your arms. And he put Zoe as a form, as a, as a, as a statement of faith. He put this little girl in his arms. He said, I prophesy the Zoe, the indestructible resurrected, creative life of God, the eternal life of God, into your wombs. They received the Zoe life, and they obviously gave it back, don't worry. But they received it by faith. I kid you not, nine months later, they had a baby in their arms. Nine months, for years, the story had been that. The bios, the sukkah failed, but the Zoe life of God, when the Spirit of God enters a situation, things change. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. And, uh, and I want to tell you this morning why this is huge, what I'm endeavoring to do today. And, and maybe you've been in church a while. I think we can sometimes separate. We have this, the, the word of God is almost separate to the spirit of God. We feel that they're almost opposed. But, but I want to smash that dichotomy because actually everything that I read in scripture, I want to see today. 
It's not there for a bygone era. It's not now saying, cool, that was once for some other people. No, this, the scriptures were given and the spirit was given so that we would be able to, what we read, we were able to see in our lives. Not just knowing, but experiencing. And, and I won't stop. I think, you see, I think too often we are people who settle at the level of our experience instead of allowing our experience to be taken to the level of what the word of God says. I've got a, I was playing with an elastic band and if you hold an elastic band, this is the, my lim, limit of physics. But if you hold an elastic band taut like this, it's going to resolve itself at whichever level you let go of. If you hold on to the lower side and let go of the top side, it's going to resolve down to the lowest state. If I hold on to the top side and let go of this side, it's going to resolve up to the highest state. That's the tension between my experience, what I'm seeing, actually what, what is happening in my life, but the Word of God has got a higher standard. Which what are you going to hold on to? What I'm seeing? what the Word of God says. It's going to resolve at whatever level you allow happen in your life. I, I want to say that actually, don't be a people. Let's not be a people who lower the Word of God to suit what we're seeing in our lives. I've prayed for people, but I haven't seen healing. Okay, so it mustn't be true then. Why? But the Word of God says it's there. The Word of God says there's this fullness of life. The Word of God says this. Okay, cool. So we've got to have a new standard that's going to pull us up. You know, I've told this story before, but it's one of my favorite of all time, so I'll tell it again. When I was in university, we um filled with faith and we were understanding these principles for the first time that the Holy Spirit wants to come upon us for power. And it got just to a state where we were praying for sick people and we were seeing incredible things happen. We were seeing people, broken legs get healed. We were just seeing crazy stuff happen. And in a university where people were very skeptical, the rumor started to spread that there was these two weird guys, one of them being a redhead, who are praying for sick people and they're getting better. It just was, we were just, the stuffing was happening. So much so that a girl came to us and said, grabbed his firearm and said, hey, are you the guys praying for people? And I thought, oh, maybe we're in trouble. We said, yeah. She says, can you come with me? So like, okay. So we're following, and my friend and I, uh, we were walking up, we walked up some corridors, we went to some back rooms, and we started to climb some stairs, and I was like, where is she taking us? She hadn't said another word, and we're just going, and she says, actually, she gets to the door, she says, I need you to pray for my friend. She's really, really sick, but she's just here in the room here. So before you enter the room, though, can you take off your shoes? And I'm like, where are we going? So I take off my shoes and I look up, and as I open the door, I see a big sign saying, the Bhakti Yoga Society. The, 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 the strong right arm of the Hindu society was meeting in this room. This is their, their meeting room. And I open the door, and it's just it's a, a room littered with posters and a couple of statues and, and a whole bunch of people with their beads praying in the corner. And, and I'm like, we've hit the mother load. It's like, oh my goodness. What is a Christian boy doing in this room, the Bhakti Yoga Society? What if mom could see me now? Oh my word, she'll be pleading the blood here. No, I was like freaking out. But I remember going in and she, they said, come, come pray for my friend. She's got anemia. Now, anemia is a blood issue, something that's wrong in the blood. And I didn't even know what it was. I said, can you pray for her? I was like, yeah, we're here. Shoes off. Why not? And I remember we started praying for this girl. We were praying and just with no confidence in my ability. I'm like, I've never studied. I have no clue what the Bhakti Yoga Society believe. I don't know where she stands on these things. But I do know what the Spirit of God is inside of me. The creative, indestructible life, Zoe life of God is inside of me. That I don't understand what's going on in her biology. I don't know what anemia is. I don't even know what to pray really in terms of that. Heal her, something, Lord. My psychology was thrown because I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here, but I do know the Zoe life of God's here. And I remember praying for it. And as we were praying for it, the, the humor of the moment was I was so into it that as I, after I was praying, I look, opened my eyes at one stage and I realized I was actually leaning on one of the Hindu statues. I think it was Ganesha. That's, that's our con. I just was praying. I was like, oh, that's cool. No, just like, whatever. 
The incredible thing was two weeks later, that girl that we prayed for ran to us and said, I just got my blood test back. My anemia is gone. Anemia is gone. I'm like, God did a healing, not at a crusade, not at a spiritual moment, but in the Bhakti Yoga Society. Jesus Christ walked into her store and healed her of anemia. I, I tell you, when I read that, I start to realize that actually the darkness shrinks at our approach. We've, you know, as I've been understanding, the Holy Spirit gives us power of eternity, attorney, a power of eternity and the power of eternity in the sense that we are, we've got signing powers of heaven. We, the Holy Spirit gives us the, the power to bind and loose the things that are here. We, we've got the creative and resurrective wisdom to speak and declare life into the darkest and most dead situations. Because it's the creative and the resurrective. The world was dark when the Holy Spirit said, let there be life. Poof. Jesus was dead when the Spirit of God raised him to life. When things are dark, the Holy Spirit says, that's my game. When things are dead, he goes, that's my game. Because that's what I do. The Zoe life of God, the creative, resurrective power of Jesus is in the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring power. Now, this is huge for me because actually, I think that Luke 24 tells us, verse 4, and says that we'll be clothed with power on high. Clothed with power on high. And this is huge for me that when the Holy Spirit comes, what I mean by power, I'm not only meaning thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. I'm meaning that actually he's going to put power inside of you and I to say no to sin. When you felt powerless to that, that secret sin that has pulled you around like a rag doll for years, that abusive story that you cannot get out of your mind, the Spirit of God is the power that takes that darkness, takes that death, and says, I'm going to bring it to life. That's the Spirit of God. He gives us the power to say, no, if you're battling against sin, you need the Spirit of God. Because He leads us in righteousness. He leads us to more of Jesus. I want to tell you, if you are struggling to have, He gives us power to have joy, no matter the circumstance. He gives us power to live with our heart at peace. He gives us power like those lights. Bam. And that f- flows into my next little illustration to land this. is actually, uh, I, I look at my wall, and if I've, if, when everything's off and the plugs are off, I know that there is power surging through that wall, through that plug socket. I know there's power there. But can I tell you, there's nothing happening. The TV is not on. The kettle won't work. Nothing. The, the oven won't work until I get the plug and I plug it in. Can I tell you, church, power is available. And I'm sure we all know and nod. Yes, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is powerful. Yes, yes, yes. And Jesus says, though, you have authority. I'm giving you the power now to plug into the source. Too many of our lives are living disconnected to the source of power. Too many of us, let me say that again, are living disconnected to the source of power. Can I tell you, he promises us power, but the invitation for you and I is to plug in. Secondly, let me help us this morning. As the Holy Spirit doesn't just bring power, he brings purpose. He says, uh, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. I love this because he doesn't say you will be my businessmen. He doesn't say you'll be my creatives. You'll be my teachers. You'll be my mothers. You'll be my tech guys. No, he doesn't say anything like that. Now, those things are brilliant, but he says actually superseding all those things, everything you do, you're going to be my witnesses. What does that word witness mean? It means this, people who are going to proclaim something. Seen something and tell about it, proclaim it. And I want to tell you that the, the essence of what we are here on about here at Life Change Milton, but as Christians worldwide, the essence of all of this is not to, to get to a level of morality. No, it's to know Christ and to make him known. If you want a bumper sticker for your car or a new Twitter update, my goal in life is to know Christ and make him known. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us do that. 
to know him and to make him known. You see, G.K. Chesterton says this. He says a quote, and he's a, an old dead guy, so you can throw in a good quote by him every now and again just to get credibility. He said this, a burning heart will lead to a flaming tongue. For years, I thought, you know what? The people are going to be able to speak about Jesus. That's the guy, Wally Gertzma, because he's good at it. It's the guys who've got the gift of the gab. The guys who are able to talk well. You know, the guys who are able to have, no, I've just got too many Christian friends. I don't know what to do when there are unbelievers around me. No, no, no. G.K. Chesterton puts it into words that I couldn't put into. He says, a burning heart, something that's passionate, cannot help but speaking about it. I know this too well. When, when Fiona said yes to me to dating me on the Saturday, it was the 19th or the 20th of April, 2013. We started to date. So it was a Saturday afternoon, and I said, Fiona, will we date? And after a lot of discussions, she agreed that she'll become my girlfriend. I remember driving home. Before I even got home, I was like sending texts to my friends, to my brothers. She said, yes, we're dating. And I, I, honestly, it was bad. I probably sent out like a broadcast just to let all my friends, probably the evite to the wedding already. I jumped the gun, you know, a little bit. But I remember I, I, I was so excited that this girl was going to date me that I told as many people as I could. It almost cost me dearly because that night later, she phoned me and said, can we chat tomorrow? And I was like, this is the shortest lived dating ever. And uh, she had concerns, but the next day, just for the end of the story's sake, I had watched a lot of Suits episodes and Boston Legal, so I managed to convince her, and the rest is history. But anyway, but I want to tell you, when you're passionate about something, try yourself not speaking about it. When your heart is burning inside of you, try not speak about that thing. Uh, this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit burns in our heart, and He puts a boldness inside of us that helps us step out of our comfort zones, because here's the thing that actually... The Bible calls it, when you'll be my witnesses, that word witness actually is written in the original language is martyretto, which basically is where we get our word martyrs from. Sorry, welcome to church. Jesus said, you'll see power. Basically, saying, you'll be my witnesses slash you'll be my martyrs. Wow. What, what is he trying to say here? Is he saying, I, I don't know, but I want to tell you, this is the understanding for me, is that when I read that, I realize that actually maybe we're not living in resurrection power because we haven't really died. Let me say it again. I think that's deep. I don't think many of us, are, we're not living in resurrection power, the Zoe life of God that he's got for us, the power that's promised us. Why? Because we're still holding on to our little lives. Jesus says, die to yourself and come alive to me. You'll be my witnesses, people who've died to their agenda but living for a different agenda. He says, I'll empower that agenda. I'll empower that story. And this is the amazing thing that I said that actually I've been wrestling with, that actually we've got Christian brothers and sisters all around the world who are losing their lives, not because they're smiling, but they're losing their lives in foreign countries. Why? Because they're preaching the name of Jesus. Not because they're just being smiling. Oh, he's such a nice guy. Let's kill him. No, no one does that. But when you come with the gospel, the people will demand from you. But this is the thing, this is not to put it on you, but this is the understanding. One theologian wrote this, he said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. It's not for a few, this is for everyone. Jesus says to the early church, and this is what it means to be a Christ follower. I've told these stories numerous times, but they're so deep in my heart, is that I, I, I go to Muslim barbers, and the, the long and short of the story is, befriended one of them named Yusuf, and uh, we had many dialogues about faith, but just built a friendship with him. And I thought, it's really hard. I'm not getting any headway with this guy in terms of being able to share the, the, the depth of who I know Jesus to be. But so I'm just going to keep befriending him, keep being faithful. And one day, he had a massive fight with his, uh, with his brother, who was the employee, his employer as well. And uh, he panics because he's here on that guy's dime. He's living with him. And now he's been kicked out of home. He's lost his job there. And Yusuf, 
who's lives, who's from, who hails from Morocco, who's in Cape Town, suddenly goes, who do I, can I talk to? And Yusuf pitches up at our life changes office, a church, a Christian church, a Muslim boy arrives at the Christian, at our offices, says, Gabriel, I remember you told me you worked here. And he's crying. And he told me his situation. He said, what do I do? And in that moment, I thought I can give him some strategic advice. I can go, let me tell you, you know, business, let me tell you my business acumen. No, I couldn't do that anyway, even if I tried. But in that moment, I just knew, I just got to tell him about Jesus. I tell you, I did probably the best job I've ever done at explaining who Jesus was and understanding with the Muslim faith and the Christian faith where Jesus different and where Jesus steps in. And he, and he heard this and he said, thank you for, I got to pray with him. And, and, and I, I don't know what happened, but he didn't make a decision for Christ that day. I would love to tell you that it finished with, and that he's now different. He's here, and that's him over there. No. Yusuf, come on out. No. <laughs> I'd love to do that. It didn't happen. But I, I'm not. But actually, I'm so faithful, so grateful that I had the courage to share with this guy about Jesus. I didn't leave him in his moment of crisis and doubt of where I think his only hope is. Another time came a few months later. Was uh, we've told the story a million times here, but that man Claude, who's now living in Estonia, who now loves Jesus, who's serving Jesus with his whole heart, sat with him across from him at a coffee shop. And I tell you, when I told him the gospel of who Jesus was, he said, "He said I, I'm in trouble. I need help." And I got to explain the gospel of Jesus. I did a terrible job. If I'm honest, I stumbled. It was awkward. The people coming and wait. Oh, sorry, you know, it's awkward. I'm trying to share the deep truths of him. Waiters, more coffee. Please leave us alone. Get away, get away. And I'm trying to explain. I did a terrible job. And I look up and tears are filling his eyes. And God starts, the spirit, the Zoe life of God starts to raise this man from the dead and says, I've got a bigger story for you, Claude. And that man comes to faith. Can I tell you, it's not our ability to speak it well or our ability to, uh, do you, are you going to, it's actually, will you be faithful? And trusting the power of God inside of you and speak and share. I'm in moments of darkness. I'm in moments of, of death. Actually, they have walked into situations at work where actually someone needs to speak the life, a word of hope. I'm going to step back. No, no, no. Speak the life of hope. Watch what the Zoe life of God does because the Holy Spirit is faithful to that story. This is the incredible news for you and I because I want to tell you that that is what anointing looks like. If you want to know what anointing is, it's not a man with walking around in a white suit shaking and going, Shabbat. That's not what anointing looks like. Anointing basically is obedience. Because anointing is not you, it's the Holy Spirit. So when you step out, too many people, I think too many prayer meetings are happening going, pour out your Holy Spirit. And Jesus is going, what do you need him for? You're doing nothing that needs him. You're living lives that don't need the Holy Spirit. You're doing living lives that you can contain, that you can control. But actually, I'll tell you, when you step out, he says, power of the Holy Spirit is going to fill you. It'll be that situation. This is what's on offer for us. This is the plug into the source Christian life that you and I are invited to. Finally, this morning, I'll tell you, there's, I read scripture there. It says, I'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And I love that. In that moment, he takes the limitations off them. He lifts the expect, expectations off them. And he says, actually, boys, who've never been further than Caesarea, Philippi, you're going to, we're going to go global with this. The limits on your life. He takes the limits off of the life of, of, of these disciples and says, we're going big with this. But then he gets to the third thing. The third and final thing I want to tell you today is that actually wedged in between this promise of power, you shall receive power. The Zoe life of God. The recreative and resurrective power of God. You're going to receive that and in between this purpose. And you'll be my witnesses, my martyrs, who are going to die to your own agenda and come alive to the, the power of Christ and be able to speak and watch dead things come alive. Between the power and the purpose, he sets before them the grandest of Mount Everest tasks. I can imagine these guys going, Who's doing this, Jesus? 
what the, we can't do this stuff. Look at us. Look at us, man. We, 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 we look at Peter. He can't even grow a beard. It's like, just, I can imagine that. It's like, who is going on? But, but he sets Everest in front of him, but he says, actually, in between the power and the purpose, he says, power will come upon you. You'll be my witnesses. But when? When you receive the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not sending you on your own. I'm not sending you on a journey of impossibility where you have no one to guide you. And, and this is my understanding is that when I was thinking about Mount Everest, if I, who has never climbed even Table Mountain, cable car for life, but if I had to endeavor to climb Mount Everest, I want to tell you, I'm not going to go and just find one of you guys and say, hey, come, lead me up Mount Everest. Sorry. You guys might be cool. You might be good. But I'm not going to ask any of you to lead me to the summit. I'm finding a Sherpa who's walked those paths before and knows the summit. I'm following somebody who knows those ways, who says, I'm familiar. I've actually just been up there last week. Let me take, come down and let me show you the way to the summit. This is the good news. When God has got a story that should fill our hearts with courage and going, wow, maybe my life can be filled with power. Maybe my life as a Christian can be my, I know it, but maybe I can really experience it and see stuff happen in my life. He says, actually, I'm going to, I promise you my presence, my spirit will go with you. In that way, I want to tell you, quit surrounding yourself with the voices of naysayers, critics, cynics, and people who are only familiar with the base. I think the reason why people don't walk in the Spirit's power is because we surround ourselves with people who've never experienced it themselves. So they're only familiar with the base. No, 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 no. That's, that's not for us. That's not for today. No, 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 no. You, you're just a new Christian. Relax. Don't be, oh, come on. Don't, you, you've prayed for five people. None of them got healed. Just give it up now. No, no, but we people who follow the Spirit of God. We follow the Spirit of God up the summit, and He takes us, and He makes it known to us. I want to land this morning by saying, actually, the Spirit of God comes to us when there's hunger in our hearts, when there's surrender, and when there's obedience. He's not looking for qualifications. He's not looking for sinless perfection. He's not looking for uh, even uh, your spiritual pedigree. He's just saying, are you hungry for me? Because he says the hungry will be filled. And he says, will you surrender? And then will you trust me? That's, that's what he's looking for. And actually, I think the, the thing for me here today is this. If, if there's an absence of hunger in your heart for the Spirit of God, I think we have to ask God to give us a hun- hunger afresh. Because why? When there's an absence of hunger, there's something wrong. Olivia Grace, who eats us out of house and home, when she says no to food, you check the temperature because something's wrong. I'm telling you, when a little child, when a child stops eating, often means there's something wrong. I want to say, if there's, a, if there's a lack of hunger in you today, say, Jesus, would you move my heart? Don't leave here with your lack of hunger because I want to tell you something is wrong because you were created for this. You were made to receive his power, his purpose, and walk with his presence. Not just in a theory, but an experiential, everyday reality. This is what you're made for. For if the hunger's not there, something's wrong. But Jesus says he can redeem. He can restore. He can put a hunger that was not there before. I, I land with this picture. I was thinking of it this morning that actually, so I thought of a rocking chair. And I, thought, I was praying, God, please may this not be my life. You know what a rocking chair is? It's something that's got a lot of momentum, a lot of noise. It's going back and forth. There's a lot of energy being expended, but it's not going anywhere. And I want to tell you that I think actually too many churches are just like that. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of energy being expended. There's a lot of prayer. Wow, God was there. And the church walk out, nothing changes. When actually, can we not be a people who sit in rocking chairs, but a people who allow the Spirit of God to say, get out of your chair and start walking. 
you're going to be stumbling. Maybe you're going to be like uh, making mistakes. Maybe it's not going to be perfect. Maybe you, you share the gospel and somebody gets really offended. Maybe you pray for someone and they don't get better. But actually, I'm going to stumble. I'm going to be moving because I'm walking and following the Spirit of God. I call us out of our rocking chairs. I'm the first one saying, please, Lord, lead me. So I want to tell you today, can I ask the band to come up there? We're going to land together with some prayer. I want to tell you today, if you're stuck in your life, if you feel stuck in your rocking chair, you feel stuck, maybe you've been in theory, but you haven't experienced, or maybe you have for once, or the hunger seems to have gone dull, but today is the day to receive from God, I want to say to you, plug into the source. I have got such confidence in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is here, and He wants to make Jesus real to you and I. He wants to make everything that Jesus has, He wants to give it to you and I. That's what the Spirit's job is. Everything that is Jesus, He's the executor of the heaven, of the Trinity. He takes everything that is the Father, everything that is Jesus, and makes it known to His sons and daughters. That's what He wants to do to you and I. The power is flowing, the power is flowing, but will we plug into the source? Can we stand to our feet at this moment, please? There's a scripture that haunts me in the Bible. Uh, in the New Testament, writing to a church, it says, you speak about the gospel, but you deny its power. Oh, I don't want to be a, somebody who speaks or, or claims the name of Jesus, but I just don't live in the, in the power that he's provided. Not something that has to be begged for, not something that has to be bartered for, not something that has to be paid for, something that's been given as part of our inheritance as Christ follows. This is not something you graduate into. It's something you get saved into. But too many of us have allowed our lives to be robbed from an experience of knowing the intimacy of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the pleasure of Jesus, because we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to invade our lives.